Good morning and welcome back to our morning devotionals. I hope everyone had a great and restful weekend, and I especially hope that everyone was able to worship together with your fellow saints. Today, we will continue our study of 1 Corinthians by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10-17. I said last week that the church in Corinth was guilty of a whole host of sins. I haven't identified those sins yet, but their list of sins includes sexual immorality, lawsuits against one another, and idolatry. In the passage before us today, we will see Paul's first denunciation of a particular sin prevalent within the church at Corinth. What is interesting is that this is the first sin Paul addresses, which would seem to indicate that Paul was keenly interested in addressing this particular sin. He, in fact, prioritized it. But while Paul prioritized addressing it, it is the kind of sin we probably wouldn't be too concerned about. We may not even consider it a sin. But Paul, who desperately wanted the people of God to put on the mind of Christ, understood this sin to be especially harmful to the body of Christ. Listen now as I read 1 Corinthians 1, verses 10-17. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment, For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Paul begins by making an appeal to the members of the church at Corinth. But I'm not sure the word appeal is strong enough to capture Paul's intent. Other translations use words like exhort or admonish. The point is that Paul is absolutely determined that they hear what he says and respond accordingly. Paul's intention to make a strong appeal is further clarified in that he makes his appeal in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This appeal carries with it the authority of Jesus Christ himself. The admonition has three parts. There are two positive commands, what he wants them to do, and one negative command, what he wants them to stop doing. The two positive commands are that they agree and that they be united in the same mind and the same judgment. The negative command is that there be no divisions among them. It's important to make sure we truly understand Paul's intention. The unity of the body of Christ was something very important to the Apostle Paul. Not only here in 1 Corinthians, but also in Ephesians 4, he addresses unity within the body of Christ. What he says in Ephesians 4 will help us to understand the command he gives here in 1 Corinthians. He tells the believers in Ephesus, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Unity of mind does not mean walking in lockstep with one another or thinking exactly the same way on every single issue. In fact, throughout Scripture, the church is compared to a body 
where the various members, which are unique, exercise their unique gifts while supporting and building up the whole. Diversity is a necessary requirement for a healthy body. But it does mean displaying those virtues that Paul puts forth in Ephesians 4. Treating people with humility and gentleness, being patient, bearing with one another. These virtues, coupled with a desire to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, result in a people that agree and are united without division. Notice the importance Paul places on this command. Maintaining the unity of the body is tantamount to walking in a manner worthy of our calling. Returning to 1 Corinthians, we learn why Paul issued the admonition about unity. The church wasn't unified, and it had in fact broken into factions. There were those in the church claiming to follow Paul, some claiming to follow Apollos, some Cephas, that is Peter, and others Christ. Paul does not say how these factions operated, or even what they were ultimately trying to accomplish, but he knew they were a problem. Commentators also agree that it is strange that Paul includes those who followed Christ, since, in theory, he should have singled out that group for their faithfulness. They were apparently following Christ after all, but he doesn't. In Paul's thinking, they were as guilty as the rest and were clearly not following Christ in the way they had been taught to follow him. So what is the problem? From what Paul says in the next few verses, it seems to be a question of power. These factions were latching on to the person they believe could offer them the greatest political or strategic advantage within the church. It is not clear why they wanted power or how they intended to yield that power. The problem was that they were pursuing power in the way the world pursues power, and in doing so were minimizing the real power they possessed in Christ as he is revealed in the gospel. I think it was a question of power for a couple of reasons. First, Paul demonstrates why no one should feel the kind of connection to him that they have with Christ. He is denying, in fact, he has that kind of power. He says, Paul was not crucified for them. Paul was not, did not baptize, but a very few of them. Along with that, those Paul did baptize were not baptized into the name of Paul. They were baptized into the name of Christ. It is the name of Christ where there is power. The second reason I think Paul is addressing the issue of power is that he says in verse 17 that he conducted his ministry in such a way so as to ensure the message of the cross was not emptied of its power. The implication seems to be that the Corinthians were pursuing worldly expressions of power, which both created division and minimized the true power of the cross. Paul concludes this section by revealing his own calling. He was not called to baptize, but to preach an unadorned gospel that would go out in the power of God. Paul claims to not speak with elegant words of wisdom. It would be easy to conclude that Paul is claiming to speak in a dumbed-down, anti-intellectual way, but that's not the case. Paul was very elegant and, of course, spoke with wisdom. I've already referenced Ephesians 4, but something else Paul says in that chapter is helpful. He encourages to the church to speak the truth in love so as to build up. The church in Corinth was quarreling, and they were taking sides and trying to find an advantage over one another. 
Thinking with the mind of Christ means speaking in a way that builds up and brings unity. This is Paul's desire for the people of God. He understood that in the world, the world pursues power one way, but in the gospel, the church has a unique power that the world does not have access to. Today, in our time of prayer, I want to pray for our administration. In particular, I want to pray for our school heads, especially Amy Metzger, who has stepped up this year and done a tremendous job as our interim head of school. And I also want to pray for our board of directors. If you would like, after I pray, you can go to the Spotify playlist called GSB Morning Devotional Hymns and listen to a hymn we sing a lot in our daily devotional time. It is one of our favorites, Be Thou My Vision. Join me now as we pray together. Father, I am grateful for those that you have called uh, to lead our school. I thank you for our administrators, for Jessica, for Jeff, and for Rob. I pray that you would bless them abundantly in their work as they try to navigate all of these changes that they're trying to navigate because of COVID. And I also want to pray for Amy Metzger. I thank you that you called her for such a time as this. I thank you that you raised her up. And I thank you for the gifts that you have given her to lead in this time. I also thank you for our board of directors. As uh, many new ones came on this year, not knowing uh, what the year was going to hold. But again, I believe in your sovereign grace, you put them in place for a purpose and that you will use them for the good of this school and for the glory of your name. Be with us now as we go into our day. Bless it. Help to uh, keep us uh, faithful to your word, faithful to your truth, so that in all things, the name of Christ might be glorified. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.